Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. What's up, my brother? Ah. Hey, is this your coffee or is that my coffee? This is my coffee. Uh, actually, that's yeah. your coffee. Maybe some more coffee for Mr. Gary V. I don't need it. You don't need it. He's just, uh, <laughs> from Portland this morning. Thank you. you got yes. up time, like four in the morning. Yes, a little four in the morning action. Well, you look great for you're you. in New York. Well, I showered still. in your shower. How about that? Which is yeah. an experience. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun though. Fair, fair. It's, uh, it was a late addition to the yes, studio. Yes, it was. Um, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. We are going to talk about a lot of stuff. Um, most importantly, your latest book. I will start off right now by showing you guys this beautiful cover, Jab, 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 Right Hook. Crazy title, how the hell did you come up with that? Um, I came up with it in a very interesting way. I actually think that social media is very misunderstood right now. I think we're in early stages of it. I think we're only a half a decade into people thinking about this being a serious play. And I think that the common folk, when they hear about social media, think, well, it's just silly pictures on Facebook or you're just sending out tweets. They disregard it uh, very much the way I think people disregard boxing. Boxing, when many people look at it, think of it as like two dudes going into the ring trying to punch themselves in the face. And, <laughs> punch and, themselves in the face? Well, that would be an easy job. That's actually. a very good point. Punch the other person in the face, I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, but, but when you think about philosophers referring to boxing as the sweet science. You know, if anybody's ever heard that term, boxing is most compared to chess out of any other sport. I'm completely fascinated by the notion of going into the ring, small ring, and having the subtle maneuvers that allow you not to get punched directly in the face. That's what I think about social media. I think social media has a lot of science behind it. The reason I made this book far more like a textbook with all the case studies is I wanted to show the subtleties of what time do you post? How many words do you say in a Facebook post? Why you don't use the same picture on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest? Why you don't connect your Facebook and Twitter accounts so they automate? All those kind of things I pay a lot of attention to and so I wanted to start the conversation about the science and the actual analytics along with the creative that makes social effective as a selling mechanism. Very good explanation because I think basically the, the the boxing analogy one is one that might be lost until you read the first chapter and you understand that subtlety that you talk about. For me, the, the whole social sphere exploded in the 2005 early, early blogger and Google video before it was YouTube. And you were there, were you not? Yeah, and, and I should give a big shout out to Zay Frank, right? Zay Frank had something called, for all the internet nerds out there, had a thing called Zay Frank the Show in 2005 and my developers at winelibrary.com were obsessed with it and one day in my competitive way, I kind of rolled by like, them as they were guy. laughing and I was like, I can do that shit and they're like, yeah, right. And that of course fueled me tremendously. Uh, the only thing that I thought I could really talk about from an expertise standpoint the jets. was the Jets. I decided to not go that route <laughs> so I decided to do the wine show. Um, and, uh, and yes, yeah, so I was there from the very beginning. Wine Library TV's first episode was February 21st, 2006, a year, less than a year after YouTube came out and um, kind of started rolling from there. Well, this episode, we've called it the get off your ass and get noticed episode because I think that's the, the, the audience here, the live in-studio audience and the, the internet audience out there in that little camera. 
Um, largely, the audience that pays attention to this show is a bunch of creatives, people that are trying to aspire to live a more creative life. They want to they want to get out of a job they're not happy with into a dream job. Uh, they want to find more creativity in the job that they're in, or they they're aspiring to be a photographer, a writer, a filmmaker, something like that. So obviously, this all the media stuff that we're talking about here in the show yeah. is massively critical to their success. So talk to that audience for a second and tell them what they don't know about getting through the noise. Because there's an, it's noisy. Oh, it's it's noisy. real noisy. The supply, the supply and demand issues at hand Can right you, now. Come closer to me, come closer. This is the cameras, yeah, like there you get that. The supply and demand issues. <laughs> Here's your photo op right here. So the supply and demand issues right now of content on the internet is a real problem. And so there's so many people talking and it's very difficult to listen. It's why Facebook created EdgeRank and doesn't allow you to see everything, right? So what, what I think and what I think get is important <laughs> it's like the uncomfortably long hug, you know, you just linger there for the, sorry about that. What I think is important is that people realize that Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram, Vine, Snapchat, I actually refer to them as gateway drugs, right? The pieces of content, these micro pieces of content, they're gateway drugs to lead to a bigger awareness of what you're doing somewhere else. And the two big misses are one, people use social networks as distribution. They just use Facebook and Twitter to put out a link and they drive people towards something. Or, more importantly, they don't realize that it's micro. I mean, yeah. every single person watching right now, when they're on their phone, they're like this, mm -hmm. right? And you've got a hundredth of a second. And putting a seven minute YouTube video in your Facebook feed is stopping no one. Nobody's got seven minutes for you, Johnny. And so, <laughs> and so, and so if you actually respect the context of the platform, and that's what this book's really about, yes. and then more importantly, think about content this way. Jab, 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 right hook stands for give, 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 and then ask. You know, the problem is the far majority of people promoting on social networks are in the right hook, right hook, right hook, right hook, right yeah. hook, right hook, right Buy hook this, Do this, quickly, help me, what can you do for me? That's right. And then the 3% that actually gets it, ironically, are so zen and hippie and purist, they're actually in the jab, 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 jab business. They actually don't even know how to, or are crippled by the ask. Yeah. And so that's what I tried to lay out here. Why have I been able to be relevant? It's both. It's that deep down in my heart and my gut, I'm a salesman. Yeah. However, I realized in 2014 that you have to provide a lot of value in a world of a lot of supply to actually get to some sort of place where you could basically guilt people. I mean, I'm trying to guilt people into buying my stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to give so much up front. You know, in 2012, knowing that this was coming in 13, I jabbed the whole year. I wasn't yeah. asking for anything because I know I'm throwing a lot of right hooks right now because the book's out. And so, you know, I'm completely confused that people don't understand that they have to provide value to people. This yeah. entitlement that just because you have something, people should buy it or things of that nature is ludicrous yeah. because what people are underestimating is how much stuff is now out there. It's noisy. It's, it's supply. It is. It's, this is a very simple economic conversation. It's supply and demand, right? Photographers. Yes. How many more photographers are they there today than there were 10 years ago? a shitload more. Yes. And the people that were professional photographers can sit around and say, well, this Instagram stuff is crap and this isn't quality. And that's the same thing actors said about reality TV. It doesn't matter. The audience, 
they decide, yeah. right? It's none of our jobs to decide what quality is. The consumer decides what quality is and we are living through the highest level of supply of good content that we've ever seen and you know, to me the only formula to break through the noise is to try to provide exceptional value up front to create a relationship that gives you the opportunity to possibly yeah. convert on the back end. I'm only gonna ask like three questions because you're just gonna be able to like teach, <laughs> like sermon that shit. Uh, if you're just joining me, I'm Chase Jarvis. I'm here at Chase Jarvis Live, sitting here with my wonderful guest, Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk. Hashtag CJ Live. You can be taking, or we'll be taking questions so you can ask them from your underwear, whether you're in Nairobi or Nebraska. You can just sit there and ask this guy right here a question. We'll be taking that shortly. You folks in the internet audience, or the in studio audience, also had a uh, chance to prepare some questions. I got a couple more for you Please. in the meantime. So, Specifically with regard to photographers, just for a second, because there's Please. a large, the large chunk mm -hmm. of the audience uh, is photographers. They, in my opinion, and I want you to sound off on this, are highly advantaged in this ecosystem because they have the ability to take a good picture and share it. So huge. Yeah. So am I am I high or is that? No. The, the, you know, I would say comedians who write and photographers are at the top of the chain right now of having upside in the reality. I mean, if you're funny the ability to break through on Twitter right now is incredibly interesting. Um, and there's a lot of things you can do. Photography, I think, is number one, even above comedy, yeah. as the breakthrough, because you're right, the content lives around you at all times, you're able to take it. Where I think photographers are getting hurt, especially yeah. trained photographers, or ones that have been in the industry prior to this revolution, is that they're being romantic about yeah. things. That, you know, and I don't blame them. Listen, you sure. go to school, uh, you go uh, through uh, all this uh, stuff, on, and you we, see your like aunt with uh -huh. Instagram, and you're like, fuck that, you know? <laughs> That's exactly right. There's a romance yep. right now, in the, and I have a lot of friends that are in the business, there's a romance that I keep trying to humble them on. I'm like, listen, I get it. I know you're mad about filters, but you know, get over it because it's the reality. It's the reality of the market. Right. I mean this, this is a very important right. point. You've got to get over that notion yeah. and you need to start executing. For example, I would tell you if I'm a photographer right now, the number one place I would build an audience on, number one. Can I guess? No, you'd take it. I think I kind of previewed it. Oh, you did it. actually. That's, That's why I don't want you to get, I don't want you right. get credit amongst the audience. <laughs> the number one place I think that they should be building an audience on is Snapchat. Let me explain why. So Snapchat, for people that are watching, the, the talk is about naked selfies, right? And all this jargon. The reality Junk. is, Boom. the reality is, is that Snapchat is the one place that you can almost guarantee consumption. Because the picture disappears, people actually click it and look at it for those eight seconds. Whereas in Twitter and Facebook, you don't see everything. You're just going through it too quickly. Where in Snapchat, you actually give that photo, oh by the way, you give it those seven, 10, 11 seconds. I've been able to drive much bigger business results, trending topics on Twitter through Snapchat over the last two months than I've been able to do through any other platform. If I'm a photographer, the ability for me to take a photo and then send it to my Snapchat audience and actually have it consumed and right on top of it, if, unless you're a purist, I get it. You no. know? But the truth is, that to me is a place where they need to be paying attention to. And so it goes on and on and on. Just like if I was a filmmaker or a video person, I'd be 
very much paying attention to Vine and trying to figure out how to make six second micro videos that bring awareness to me, that leads me to gateway you to my YouTube, which leads you to gateway me to hiring me. It's just this evolution of opportunity. The awareness funnel starts now on social networks and on mobile devices and the people that realize how to story tell there because that's where the consumer's attention is. When they figure out that, they then have an at bat to be able to do what they need to be doing. Got it, two things you said, have a chance. Yep. So you gotta put yourself in the game and then storytelling. So in my humble opinion, storytelling is the most important thing you could be doing online and whether that's in 140 characters or in a blog post or in a 90 second video, uh, seven second naked selfie. It's kind of hard to tell a story there. Um, oh, you can tell a story. <laughs> uh, but that's, so ideally the creatives, again, are at an advantage. There's an opportunity because ultimately you should be a professional storyteller. Whether you're, if it's a, uh, you're a photographer, you're trying to capture a story in an image. If you're a writer, you're trying to be witty in 140 characters or in a Facebook post. So again, what I'm trying to get at here through this gentleman's wisdom is that the creative class, the culturally aware creative class, is at a massive advantage for cutting through the noise because you got other people out there saying, buy my coffee mug. On the flip side, because I have so many creative over-indexing creative friends, mm -hmm. a lot of them are too romantic to have marketing skills right. or weren't born with that. You know, it's a ve there's very few people that yep. are blessed to have both and can do it. And you know, I tell a lot of my creative friends, I'm like, you need to find a business partner. Yeah. Give somebody 10, there's so many people out there marketing shit. Yeah. Go find one of those people and let them market your great stuff yeah. and give up 10 to 50% if it takes that much because at the end of the day, if you're trying to make it a living, it's yep. a business. And if you don't know how to run a business or if you don't know what to do, oftentimes it doesn't work out. Well said. I, I'm guessing there might be a question out there in the uh, in-studio audience. We will take that question now. I got Norton with the microphone. Hands up if you got a question and I will happily call on you. There's a couple right there. We'll go to the front row. You good, sir. Yeah, I had a quick question. It was on Creative Live not long ago where they discussed using LinkedIn. Do you think there's any relevance with LinkedIn? Yeah, That's so a good question. Great question. I, I think LinkedIn has been a, a platform that I've been down on for the last half decade and I'm starting to emerge into liking based on things that I see are coming, not what's in place right now. Meaning... Well, the content strategy that they started invoking is really powerful. Super smart. Yeah. What, what LinkedIn was and is, is a utility, right? Mainly for people recruiting and job seeking and things of that nature. What they've shown their cards this year is they've become a media company, which is something I believe in. I believe everybody's in the media business. I believe that I'm in the media business and then I run an agency and have a wine business. I believe every person here is in the media business, comma, then does something else. They did that. Yeah. They've become a media play by leveraging their big scope to get people like myself and a hundred other people to be influencers and put out content yep. on their site instead of on my site because they can give me a breath of awareness. Where they're going, that becomes even more interesting, is these LinkedIn pages, which are gonna act a lot more like a Facebook page, where I see a lot of B2B opportunity. So B2B has struggled quite a bit in finding an ROI within social, I think LinkedIn has yeah. the potential to be their place and that's where I'm starting to get excited about LinkedIn going forward. Good, good question and there's another question at the back there. We'll make sure you get a microphone so that the internet can hear your mouth move. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, who are I look, you? Sorry, who What's am I? What's your name? Julie. Hi Julie. I'm an artist and I find it to be trouble and I hear you saying romanticism about you know, getting involved with your artwork. And then I find it to be this struggle of like, am I gonna spend my time being really good at the internet yep. or at what I do so I can get that out Ready there. for the crappy answer? You and have to do both. How to do both and how to balance it, you know, that kind of thing. And 
I hear you saying getting a marketing partner, but that might be the solution. But it is also hard to tell your story while you're working so hard when it takes your body and your physical attention on the thing. The problem is that the economy, the, the marketplace, the world, innovation, it doesn't care about you, me, or Chase. It really doesn't. Like, I, I love you for putting all your heart and sweat and life into your pottery or your painting or wood cutting or whatever the heck you do. Unfortunately, the truth is, if you want to sustain that living, you've got to sell some of that stuff. Unfortunately, or, or in my opinion, fortunately, you now have the opportunity to go direct to the market and not be at the mercy of the 10 gallery owners or the 10 media companies that used to write about you. So I actually think this is the best time to ever be an artist because you can go direct to the consumer by putting out your content. The problem is if you have no heart for it, and I don't blame you, I have very little heart to do pottery. Zero, no interest, (laughs) right? So, So you don't have to have heart for being a marketer. The problem is you have to do it. And thus, either you've got to get yourself there or you've got to find people to help you get there because the alternative is lack of relevancy. Thank you for love, but it's actually glass blowing. Yeah. Nice. That's a a lot of work, right? It's hot up in there. And so I can understand that if you have a passion for that, why you have less of a passion for marketing on social networks or content or things of that nature. But the truth is you're going to need to figure out that without the luck and serendipity of the right person buying a piece that then does it for you. Yeah, that's leaving it to chance, which is not a good strategy at all. You need to be very, very proactive. I'll just use an example. Again, I'm Chase Jarvis. If you want to ask us questions from anywhere in the world, hashtag CJLive on Twitter and on my Facebook page. I think you can chime in on one of the questions. We've got people observing there. I'll feed those to Gary Vee for you. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to go back to the in-studio audience, but i got one thing to say as an example of, a recent example of someone who has cut through the noise in an extraordinary way, and that is Humans of New York. Are you guys familiar with that? So Brandon, um, I'm very aware. Yes. that book is beating the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Brandon. Um, yeah, so Brandon is going to be on the show in February, which awesome. is something that we're super excited about. But he has, from going out every day and photographing people on the streets of New York and getting their stories, he has built a following that will kill for him. They, in the first week, they bought all the hardback books that he put out and they print another, like just, just guys, you know, right? And this is just word of mouth. I'm very pissed. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm excited, right? Because he's living, they're living. Your prescription. What Crush It, my first book was about, which is for the first time ever, and back to that question, for the first time ever, the middle, the media, the awareness, the middle is gone. Or it's, it's been neutralized by the fact that, look what you and I are doing right now. I know. I this mean, is instead of a Bravo show or an E or an MTV, all of which and, we could have done. And if you really know cable, there's a lot of cable shows that get like 2,000 viewers, yeah. period. 2,000. So I mean, we're, you know, I mean it's, it's unprecedented times. Every person in this studio, every person watching right now live is grossly underestimating the impact of the internet. The thing is only fundamentally about 18 years old. I know there's nerds watching. I know it's been around for more than that. But I'm talking about when normal people went on. Right? You're talking about Windows 95 really put the masses on the internet. We're, we're not even 20 years into this thing and we're already into things like Uber and Airbnb and drones dropping off stuff. I mean like this is just starting. This is just starting and, uh, and I think the stakes are high 
and, and I'm excited because I'm a capitalist through and through and this just is the greatest time ever to be anything because you have the ability to reach people around your thing. That guy would have never, you know, he would have had to have somebody pay him up front to take pictures of people in New York, you know, it's, and they never it would just would have never they happened. Never, and they never would have felt I, for it. I they became the most important wine thing in, in my office in Springfield, New Jersey, right? I didn't have to go to Napa or LA. I mean, we're living through special times. Beautiful times. And we've got a question coming in from at CraftCast. What does Gary think the most important asset is from marketing person to have? Patience. Wow, that is not the word I expected you to say. I know. Patience. I am dumbfounded by the notion of people trying to drive results and in a, thinking in it's going to happen in 90 days. I mean, I get emails from people like, hey, Gary, you're, this isn't working. Like, I need your help. This isn't working. I'm not getting traction. Which I replied to him like, hey, sorry, Sally, how long has this been going on? Like, what are you doing? How long? She's like, I've been doing this since, you know, for since March, 30 days, 60 days. And I'm like, I did, <laughs> I did Wine Library TV every day for 18 months before anybody watched it. Before, I mean, because this was 06, people weren't in the habit of watching yep. online video, right? Patience is the number one thing needed. If you want people to buy things, if you want things to happen, if you want to build a business that you own instead of working for somebody, and you don't realize that this is a year's game, that this is a marathon, yeah. it's why I love social media. The reason I love social media marketing, actually, is because it doesn't drive results very quickly. It's actually shockingly human. Yeah. It's how we actually work in real life. You know, I can't just roll up on you the first time I meet and ask you for something outlandish. I can ask you yep. something more than I could have asked you for 90 days ago, mm -hmm. because we've been spending more time together. Yep. Not just how life works. And so, I would say patience. That is a brilliant answer. I expected the word to be hustle. I love hustle. I, I think hard, you know, hustle is my favorite word. Uh -huh. I think hard work is grossly underestimated. Grossly underestimated. Yeah. I think people, but it's, you know, it's, they're kind of cousins, right? You have to have patience, you know, it's a, you know. If you I, can ever take a long-term view, if you can, because some people can't afford to have a long-term view and that's why social is not necessarily the best, um, best match for them, but I found it anything with my career, with my love life, with my friends, long-term view. Anytime you can afford and to have And even a the people view. that can't afford it, yeah. student loans, sure. you know, rent that they can't pay, the fundamental truth is that you're still not gonna achieve anything in a very short, cheap way. Yeah. So you're just better off chugging along and eating crow for as long as possible and doing it the right way because you're not gonna get the results and a lot of times it takes you three steps back instead of at least being neutral. There's Spoken. A, you know. Going back to the uh, in-studio audience here, we've got someone who already has the microphone and then we'll come over to this side, Mr. Buzz. Hi. Please, introduce yourself. I'm Holly. Hi. And I just want to say I read your Inc. article for this month and you just mentioned the top four um, social media methods of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. And then you've just mentioned several here in studio. Do you have a cheat sheet somewhere that like lists specifically what media is best for what people? I think people? it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> He's it's not wrong. That being, said, that being said, I have a big push to make infographics this month of December. And so I'm working on my 12 wines for Christmas right now. Nice. But as soon as I'm done with that one, I'll make an infographic of a quick cheat sheet, cliff notes for it, and put it out there just for you, huh? Awesome, thank you so much. Nice moves. Yes, and if you're just tuning in, jab, 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 right hook, Gary Vee's new book, 
We got to get that thing to the number one spot. Uh, or you guys, you and Brandon, humans in New York can duke it out Fucking up top. Humans. <laughs> um, I read this in a single sitting. I found it brilliant, uh, and I like it was prescriptive. Like I think a lot of people are, oh, and this if this works for you, and it's very sort of flighty. And I think there's a real recipe that you've created here, and it's the. Let me see if I can summarize. Content, very important, but only relevant if you're using it in the right context. Yes. Context is God, I think. Yes. Content is uh, king, king and, and context is God. Talk about that for a second. Before I do that, let me tell you why I made it so utilitarian. Okay. Before I wrote this book, I went on Amazon and read every single negative review of Crush It! and Thank You Economy twice. Sat down and put myself in a really bad fucking mood. And I read them and I read them and I read them and I said, okay, what people are saying here is that I'm just talking at the highest levels, theoretically. And I respect that. Sure. You know, I actually don't talk about the details of how I've succeeded a lot because I'm doing it and I'm, not, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, I, you know, I'm the kind of person that believes that once you have the religion down, everything works. And I think most people are stuck on not having the proper religion, not caring yeah. about their audience, not giving, 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 and then asking. And so I'm always pounding religion because I always believe that once you have that down, it trickles into execution. But I read every negative review and I decided I'm gonna write a how-to book instead of a why book. I think Crush It was more how-to and why. Thank You Economy was very, let me see how smart I am, why. Um, And this is extremely (laughs) how-to. I promised myself that everybody that spent 30 bucks would fundamentally believe they got a real ROI on it and that's why I wanted to make it very specific. Nice moves. We're gonna go right over here. We need to get a microphone. There you go, Buzz, over your shoulder. Uh, thanks, Chase. Pleasure. Uh, Gary, uh, yes, the guys please. who wrote the Clue Train are my pals, Doc and David and Chris and Rick. And they seem to have forecast a lot of what we're seeing today, and I'm, I'm sure you've looked at it. Who's, who, who are you following or who is forecasting the future today? That's a great question. So who is forecasting the future here, today? Here's something that, Buzz, you might find interesting. I, after I write three more books, would ha- will be at a place where I've written more books than I've read. So I've heard, I've heard of that thing, but I don't know anything that's in there. I, I, theoretically, I do. I've heard people say to me like, oh, you must, right? Um, I do very little consuming of media. It's actually, and I'm not saying this in a good way, I actually truly believe that one of my substantial flaws is that I don't consume enough. I don't do enough educating of myself. My entire being is very within myself and looking at human behavior day in and day out to what's going on. Um, So I'm not quite sure. People always ask me what brands, what people are doing a good job. This was actually very difficult for me to do the case studies because I had to do the work. You know, where the other two I just blabbed into an audio and I had it done in two minutes. Um, And so, so I don't know. The truth is I just don't know. I'm not sure. I'll tell you that a lot of people think I do and I don't. I don't think I predict anything. I think I just watch things. Back to Holly's question. I look at, Vine comes out. It's number one on the iTunes store, a free app. I download it, I play with it, and then I watch how people use it. Um, I'm just a fast follower. Well, what Doc Searles wrote was, he said markets are conversations. Okay. And it seems I to. I believe that. Yeah, that's, that's stuck true for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, so. I will predict a couple of trends that maybe uh, for the folks that are on the cutting edge, you, you, you called them nerds earlier, uh, they will know this, but I think it's a really, and this is more about the content than the context, but the opportunity to be imperfect, the opportunity to sort, sort of show vulnerability, 
Um, it's attractive. Yeah, it is because it's real shit, right? I, I think, you know, sorry to jump in on no, this. No, that's what you're here you for, remember? Are, yeah, I'm here as a guest. Um, <laughs> I'm stunned by how many people look at Twitter and just try to be funny yeah. and don't realize that all the characteristics that we like in people are attractive on social networks. Yes. You know, vulnerability is an attractive trait. Empathy, self-awareness, kindness. There's a lot of ways to roll. Everybody thinks that snarky and witty or like everybody's trying to be more witty than the next person on Twitter. It's exhausting. And I'm like, this is ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the truth is you can get a lot of value by being human. You know, conversations, the humanity of everything is, is, is here yep. because we're so close. We're just a screen away and uh, the tone is getting, we're getting more and more used to the tone. Uh, you see people being less confused by the tone on tweets and emails. I kind of look at some of that data. Yeah. That's been interesting to me. We're actually forming into understanding the tonality, which is wild. Uh, we're living through interesting times. Yeah, I think the, the vulnerability stuff. Brene Brown, to give another plug to the January 15th show, we're going to have Brene Brown. You might know her work. Uh, she's tight with Oprah. Um, but uh, again, as for artists, especially the creatives, I think the ability, that's the way you can reach an audience is by taking pictures and doing things and saying things that no one else in the world could, t could say, take, Speaking make, Speaking of Oprah, here's a little fun fact. This is for you, Mom. If you go to Oprah's uh, Instagram account, just happen to pay attention to what her first photo ever on Instagram was. Just might be this might handsome Della Broy here. Might be that handsome Della. <laughs> so, that dark, luscious tan. Oh, I wish. Um, Pale as a ghost. So let's go back to the in-studio audience because there was about 400 hands in the air. And I know, Kenna, Kenna, you're born for questions. But go ahead, please. Yeah, this is Robert Richardelli with Choose Growth. And we really enjoyed having you at the studio yesterday in Portland. Thanks, brother. Uh, we, uh, I question authenticity was one of my questions. So you answered that, of uh, being vulnerable and having compassion. I mean, because when I met you a few years ago, that's what attracted me to you is this guy's real in a world of a lot of not real. Sure. So that's, that's, I want to emphasize that. Also, what is it about, there's still a lot of people out there that are nervous about social. They're worried about security. They're worried about who's going to hack this and hack that. And they go, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to be out there. And they're hurting themselves. Very talented people. Can you talk to the security a little bit or what you know of and, and the fears and maybe Put down some of these fears that people have. There's, there's in my, in my head, there's two. I really break people down into two groups: people that are on the offense and people that are on the defense. You're just talking about people that are on the defense. I don't really know what else to say. You know, I think privacy is dead. I actually think it doesn't matter at all. I mean, we just went through the biggest privacy issue in American history, and nobody gives a fuck, right? I mean, who yeah. cares, right? And so the truth is. I think mainstream media for a long time has portrayed us human beings as bad. You turn on the news, if you just watched the news your whole life, you would think human beings are the worst thing of all time, <laughs> right? But when you look at the data, it is stunning how good we really are. Yeah. It's shocking how many bad things we could do to each other and how little we actually do to each other. And so, you know, I think that I think that as time goes on, People are clearly becoming less and less private. Things that were taboo and scary. I mean, look, all you have to do is look at society, right? Miley Cyrus, right? Everybody gets all bent out of shape about twerking and they forget that the long hair of the Beatles was the same issue. Or that when Elvis shook his hips, that that was the devil. I mean, <laughs> these were real like, articles, like, yeah. right? Or that like gangster rap, 
right? Like, you know, I mean, like, two live crew was gonna make me shoot a cop. You know, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. And so, we're, we're living through, you know, a time and a period where we're just reenacting history, is repeating itself over and over and over. We become more and more extreme versions of what we've been as, you know, as the churches and different things become less of the guiding North Star in our society. And I think it's quite healthy. I think people are happier in general. Um, and I think that, you know, I think a lot of people, listen, a lot of people make the wrong decision. You know, no matter what I say to your question right now, and they're scared, they'll continue to be, they won't do, they won't put in the work, or they'll be fearful, or whatever it may be, and they'll lose. I mean, a lot of people lose. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people lose. That's kind of the fun for me of capitalism and business. I prefer them not to lose in life. I want them to use these platforms to stay in touch with their family. Think about all the people that have jumped on Facebook in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that have reconnected with people that they hadn't talked to in 20 years and have more value and like rehashed good stories, things that are good for the soul. I think there's a lot of good. Beautiful, great question. Yes, sir, go ahead. Hey, Gary, it's uh, John Bueller. Um, We've seen a lot of examples of epic failures on social media. Any tips on how to turn things around if you know it goes if sideways? Goes bad? Yeah. Be bad. Or okay. maybe examples where maybe something that you've done and how did you turn it around? Yeah, I mean, winelibrary.com got hacked by Chinese hackers and credit cards got exposed and TechCrunch writes about it and it starts getting a storm because they're leveraging, you know, they're leveraging Attention. kind of my name for the headline and I jumped in and I just owned it through and through, called every person that got hacked. I mean, there's, you know, I think people are grossly underestimating the I'm sorry. As a matter of fact, let me really take it deep, go deep for go you. Deep, I'm gonna go deep. Go deep I actually, within the last two years, recommended a client do something wrong on purpose just to say sorry because I truly believe the sorry is actually more valuable than the status quo. Yeah. So I actually think it's very, the reason I'm not fearful about anything is that I know that intent matters and I know that my mom and dad raised me the right way, that I was born with the right DNA, and that my intentions are never bad. I'm highly competitive in business, but I'm highly competitive in the fact that I want to build the biggest building in town. That's how I want to get there, versus what a lot of people do, which is they want to tear down all the other buildings around them to have the biggest building. I know that I'm living a life that you know I want my legacy to be good, and so I'm never scared of anything because I know I'm human. When, not if, when I make a mistake, I know that I'll put in the triple effort to fix it. And, uh, and so that's my recommendation. I don't understand why people don't realize that's the case. I mean, the whole put your head in the sand or you don't want to deal with it, well then you deserve to lose. You know, you make a mistake, it's, listen, what's so insane is all these cliche things you grow up with as like good things to do are actually the right things. Like, like, it's like it's it's proper to own up to a mistake. It's it's good thank, to be nice you, to your neighbor. Thank you, you know, it's it's like it's stunning. Yeah. It's stunning, but it's so true. And the reason it's more true than ever is because there is a lack of privacy. Because everybody is a media company. You're recording my answer right now on your glasses. I mean, we're living in a world now where you're, where transparency is at its height. We're living in a world where a lot of the cliches that people want to zing on, which is like authenticity, transparency, all this, it's real. I know they're buzzwords and they're pissing everybody off, but it's true. And so it's never, and I'm gonna say this very seriously, it has never been better to be a good person or a good business. It's never been better because what social networks have done is they've layered on top of the internet and have created plumbing for word of mouth and now your reputation, your word of mouth really does matter. Yes. 
Well said. Well said. I got to go to the internet because the, the questions are. Yeah, they're, they're, that's not for you to read. Sorry, I'm excited thing. about that. It's my thing. Well, Fat Guy Running is an incredible Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm excited. Fat Guy Running with two Gs, that could be a typo on our part, says, how do you fight repetition in blogs and vlogs? Reputation? Repu repetition. Oh, repetition. So I'm, I'm guessing that this, he's a he or she fat guy running, so we're going to assume it's a he. Uh, that would be awkward if, never mind. Um, that he is a creator and he might have a hard time breaking out of the rut that he's in because he keeps saying the same shit. Listen, I'm Give concerned about that too. Like, yeah. you know, I'm sitting here and I know Tracy was at my book signing mm -hmm. yesterday in Portland and I know I have to repeat certain things, but I'm literally, just because she's here, literally trying to give some different perspective because I don't want her to be bored. Yeah. Imagine that at scale. Yeah. I mean, that's how I roll. Yeah. I, I really think about those I things because thing. I don't want to become boring, though, very honestly, I only have two or three main thoughts and I rinse and repeat. <laughs> I mean this. I, what, what, what I've been good at is I position myself, and this is my answer to the question, I position myself in places where I still have my thesis, but the world that it plays in changes. Wine yeah. was easy. Yeah. You never, I, nobody will ever review every wine. Because not only do you have a million wines, and more than that, but they change every year. Yeah. You know? And so Washington State 97s are very different than Washington State 98s, and there's a lot to review there. Same thing with technology, right? I have a general thesis of how this is supposed to be done. It's called jab, 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 right hook. In right? case you missed it. Give, 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 and then ask. But the way you do that is very different on Pinterest than Instagram, than Facebook, than Twitter. Last year, this time, Vine didn't exist. I now think it is the singular most important platform if you're marketing to 12 to 20 year olds. So, you know, it, that's what I would say to Fat Guy Running, which is position yourself in a place where, you know, you can continue to socially commentate or and or create yes. based on the variable of your subject matter. Beautiful. Not based on your thesis. Beautiful. And, we're and that's talking where people to, get caught. And I, I think seeing this in action for me right now, because you're talking to a creative audience, an audience of not necessarily MBAs and the, the Fortune 500s, but people who are, are creators at their core. And I, I'm already picking up on sort of the subtle differences. Well, well, you know what's funny, Chase, is I'm not an MBA though. Like, you know, I, I'm an F and D student. I mean, every time I say that, people laugh and I'm like always wondering, I'm like, do they think I'm joking? Because like I'm literally thinking about going back to my high school and seeing if they can give me access to my report card because I want to do some throwback Thursday pictures of it. Because it's like fucking F, 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 D, A, Jim, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's like really bad grades. Yeah. And so, you know, ironically, I do think now, I never realized this, right. now at 38, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I did get, I was one of those lucky ones with creative and business yep. DNA. Um, but I think much more in a creative lens of reverse engineering value to the end user. I think the best salespeople sell things they believe in. Absolutely. The reason I have so much passion, everybody likes to say, is I really, really, really believe in what I'm selling. Yeah. I truly, with all my soul, believe that if you spend $30 on this book, that you'll be really happy you did. Yeah. I get 100 emails a month of people that read Crush It, and it literally changed their, their path. But then when I read the cynical reviews on Crush It, of like, oh, he's selling the secret or this or this bullshit. I'm like, did you read it? Because all I talk about is hard work, nothing, hard work, hard work. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, uh, I, I respect the context of my audience. I recognize who's watching yep. and I'm trying to give practical advice to them so that they can actually convert and, and, and get whatever they want. And by the way, not everybody wants the same thing, right? I think people that follow me or watch me hear hustle, hard work, all this. Listen, if you want tremendous work-life balance, then great, yeah. good for you. Where I get upset is people cry about the government 
or the economy or some other horseshit when they're playing Madden on the Xbox for three hours a day and are on the bowling yeah. team and are drinking at a brew pub each weekend and yeah. you know, I mean, if you, if you like what you have, and then I have friends that are crushing it, yeah. doing extremely well, making lots and lots of money and they're complaining, we'll get together for drinks and they're like, oh man, I'm not, you know, I'm so tired and I'm not, I'm like, so work less. I mean, you're fully in control. Yes. And so the only thing I don't like is people complaining. I don't care what you decide, but just, you know, own your thing. Spoken. Amen. Woo! Own your, own own your, your thing. thing. I think that might get retweeted a couple of times. <laughs> hey, E-R Skine, or E-R-S-K-I-N-E, says, what does it take for an up-and-coming Viner to make it big? What qualities highlight success in Vine? Vine's really interesting. Either you need to be an artist and you understand how to do stop motion, which mm-hmm. is incredible if you've watched any of that on Vine. Um, I think comedians, improv, stand-up, DNA comedians have the best advantage because they understand the rhythm of six second jokes, right? It's gotta be boop, 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 there's a rhythm. You know, there's like three cuts and you have to be able to tell a story and get somebody to laugh or find something interesting. Um, Charisma, all the the looks, all the stuff that works on television. You know, it's not super different. It's just understanding the medium. And I think consistency. You know, I've not done well on Vine. Uh, even though I think it's a place that I could do well because I'm not putting out content. Yeah. You can't expect to put out a video once every three weeks. You gotta put out two or three a day to be one of the real viners. Um, so I would say those things. Consistency, I think is a great, let's harp on that just for a second because that goes for all these platforms, right? If you're not, if you put something out once a month or a week here and then you wait two weeks and then you do a vine and then you're Instagramming over here and you're Facebooking, that's like, there's no recipe for success. You have to be consistent in the same way that people want to be able to turn on a television show and watch Monday Night Football Monday at six o'clock, same thing goes for your post. It might not be that rigid, but you have to put content out on a regular basis. And I, I, I hate to say this because it's also overused and trite, but stamina, is one of the most important things to cut, to stand out from your peers in a noisy, noisy world. You have to be there. You have to be there in the morning at 7 a.m. when the sun, sh- the sun rises. If you're a photographer, you have to get up early. You have to be first to the thing. And that is the thing that nobody wants to hear because it's fucking hard. It's back to sayings that are real, right? It's whoever said it, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. You know, I really hope Michael Jordan say that because I hate that fucker. But, <laughs> but. I think he did. But yeah. I think he did, which yeah. pisses me off. Can you edit that? Can we yes. revert? <laughs> you know? um, uh, but it's true. You have to have at bats. Yep. You have to take a cut. Uh, I think Kenna has the mic. We're going to go to the in-studio audience. Miss Kenna Klosterman from All Create right. Live. Hello there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we talked about storytelling being key and right hook, right hook, right hook alone not being a good strategy. What are some of the other things that you see creatives doing over and over that are a complete waste of time? Ooh. She is a professional question asker. <laughs> <laughs> it's what not I Not even lying to you. That's like, that drives you know, me crazy you. sometimes. Thank you, Kenna. The thing that I think a lot of people are wasting their time on is predicated on how they see the world. Meaning, a lot of people that are trying to get recognized will spend all their time courting bigger personalities or media outlets to give them exposure instead of building that product or platform for themselves. So the single biggest mistake I see is people thinking that one, one, 
you know, one interview with Chase on Chase Live is gonna change, I, there is, I mean. No, I, there's no you know, one. There, I mean, I've, I've had covers of magazines and national television, and all this stuff, and 99.999% of people still don't know who I am, right? So, so I think that to me is number one, that the thought of like this big hit. A break, if, there's no such thing as a If only Gary V retweets me, it's all gonna change. <laughs> Ludicrous, so that's number one. Um, number two, I really think, I, I truly think the number one B mistake is the lack of respect for the context of the platform. That they're a blogger and that they like put their whole blog in a Facebook post, not realizing that that's just not going to work. Which is why I had so much heart to write about this. Um, you know, I, and I just think the other, the other mistake is, is I really think where people got caught is a lot of people, especially in the photography realm, especially my friends who are closer in the 30s, they grew up with a notion of how it's supposed to be instead of respecting how it's become. And that's why I keep talking about religion a lot. You've gotta wrap your head around these things. Yeah. Like, sorry, like sorry that Instagram happened. Sorry, but it did. Sorry the internet happened, but it did. Sorry that that person's got so much business and followers, they suck at photography, they're cheating. Sorry, you know, sorry that the Kardashians and Duck Dynasty are the number one shows on television. <laughs> sorry, but the truth is people decided that. The yeah. market decided that. The wine world hated me at first because I was dummying down wine. Sorry, I wine call world. I making it accessible. Yeah, right? sorry, <laughs> wine world, that I took away your leverage. How many people in this audience have friends or relatives that are into wine? Raise your hand. So almost all of you know that the second somebody gets just a little bit of wine knowledge, they become a straight douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ordered the wrong year. Oh, Sally, don't pour it, let it breathe. All these things. <laughs> and I took- Can we get a decanter in here, please? And at some level, I took that away with my jet spit bucket and how I roll, and I took that away, something they felt they worked for. All those years of taking the sommelier courses, it gave you that, that advantage. I mean, everybody in the wine world, prior to what I started doing, talked down to people about wine, yeah. right? Like, th guys, think about all the dates you've been on where like the sommelier comes over and he just douches the whole scene up, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, and so they wanna impose yeah. their, their, I mean, Guys, the same thing happened in photography. I get 100%. Yeah, yeah. That's, why I'm bringing it, yeah. that's why I'm bringing it up. Good. Let me tell you another thing. It has never been less valuable to be smart about information than today. It has never been less valuable. Who's the 19th president? Oh, I don't know. This guy, right? <laughs> every, in, every piece of information. This is a very important point. A lot of people made a lot of money. A lot of people made a lot of relationships. A lot of people had leverage within their circles about being informational smart. That has been completely wiped out. Yep. It actually has zero value. And so, which is why it's insane what our children are going through in the school system. Oh, They're making them brutal. memorize facts that are at their fingertips. Shit. Yeah, it kills me. Kills me. Yeah. And so. I hope my children can be DNF students and that gives me time, since they're not gonna work on homework, for me to teach them the real shit, yes. right? And so, you know, I think we're living, again, I, I keep repeating in this interview, we're living, this is, the, the internet is the biggest culture shift in the history of human beings. We're living through it so we can't contextualize it, but yes. we are grossly underestimating what's happening. The power. This is the easiest 
uh, Chase Jarvis Live I've ever personally attended. Because <laughs> I just have to sit here and listen. I'm taking notes and shit. This is legit. I appreciate uh, that. No, thank you so much. If you're just tuning in now, I'm Chase, and I'm here with Gary Vaynerchuk, and we are uh, happy to pimp his new book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. I will read advanced praise from Ashton Kutcher. Learning how to optimize your social media network from Gary V is like learning how to optimize a TV network from Lay Les Moonvice. Les Moonvice. There you go. <laughs> Ashton, you lost me on that one, bud. Because I'm not an informational specialist, because I got it right here at the fingertips. You can ask us questions at hashtag CJ Lab. And now we're going to go back to the in studio audience. You have the microphone right there. Hi, nice to see Hi, you. Good to see you. Another creative is library. My name Lobdell, and I'm a photographer with photosister.com and also a host on Creative Live. Very go get cool. it. So this morning, I was up at 4 a.m. driving here from Ocean Shores. Wow. And of course, bored in the car, I was like, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to go to Facebook and ask my friends what questions they have for you because wow. I was not thinking for myself that early in the morning. Okay. I was not. I was writing. <laughs> luckily, Good. I was Just like, want to make a big point. I was, I was yeah. getting excited. Right. <laughs> so this is actually We're about from to a throw you under I was the about bus. to diss billboards <laughs> if anybody was curious. So Go representing ahead. my internet out there, Saskia Dolores, she wants to know what is next, platform-wise, communications, connections, social-wise. What do you envision the future to look like, and do you think it will be the free enterprise that it is today? I do. Even more free. Than I do. It is right I, now. I think. I think you know, the, the cat's out of the bag, right? I mean, it, to regulate the internet now would cause, re, you know, real revolutions. So yeah. I think free enterprise has a real shot. To, it may not work everywhere. I do think closed internet, Syria, Iran, other places, other places that we don't think about, where I was born, Belarus, far from free enterprise, the last dictatorship in Europe. So there'll be pockets. That's always been the world. There's always bad places. But what's uh, next, though? Let me make two statements to this. Number one, again, I, I referenced it earlier, I'm a fast follower. You know, I'm, I'm not Nostradamus, you know, but what I can tell you is the one thing I really believe in, more than anything, is smart everything. So the notion of, and you heard this last night, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm very big on the notion of smart refrigerators. I'm a retailer at heart. I know smart refrigerators are being developed. They're very close to market. The notion that your refrigerator will know what brand of soda or bottled water or milk that you put in after you put it in three times and then when you've only got one can left of your six pack. Send you a note. It, you know, yeah. you've got six buds in there, you're down to one. It reorders it for you. And then a drone flies to your house and drops it <laughs> I think it's. Did you guys hear I, Bezos talking about but that I, but, I, but I think it's interesting to think about. I think that now that we've lived through big things like the internet, like Uber, Airbnb, eBay, Amazon, you know, I think more of us will accept like, huh, that's interesting, that could happen. Uh, the other one I have a lot of heart for is smart pants. I think smart pants are coming, meaning when you put your pants on, Imagine a world where you put your pants on and your pants text you and say, eat a salad today, fat ass. <laughs> because it's documenting how you fit in it. Uh, you know, so what's starting with smartphones. Does it say phones, it aloud? It can. <laughs> by the way, by the way, I actually think that that's good. So I actually think the way that I'm gonna lose 15 pounds in 10 years is gonna be my pants saying it out loud. Because just to me, I can control it. If I set the setting of it telling everybody, I'd be publicly humiliated and rooted on, and I think that would actually get me to do something about it. Yep. So, I mean, I think- Tim Ferriss' experiment, add yeah. some stakes to the game, right? Always, so I think, I think smart everything. I think you get into a world of smart everything, you get into, you know, you see what's going on with Nest, with thermometers and oh, you know, thermostats. Yeah, and you know, I, I, think, I think smart shoes that correct the way you walk. I, I think there's a lot coming. Smart everything. Smart everything. Great question. 
Anything else? Yeah, right here in the front row, let's get you a microphone. Oh, he's got oh, one. Oh, there you go. Second row then, we'll go for you, good sir. Corey Twaits, uh, photo hobbyist from here. Thanks for having us, Chase. Yeah, Thanks my for pleasure, here, Corey. Gary. For sure, brother. Uh, question is, I've been on hiatus for a year, and how do I get back into starting that social conversation and start building that brand as again? As fast as you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he won, which pisses me off. Um, <laughs> You know, I got to fight to get a word in up here. This is like, <laughs> I, I think the, I think the answer is right. I think you know that's the beauty of being human. You know, it's kind of like you know the same way if you you went to college and you moved back into your town, you just start over again, right? The the cool thing is you have a lot of equity from whatever, whether you accomplished this much or this much, that equity is there. I mean, I was pretty head down. You know, it's funny. I referenced this I think last night. I. Uh, I'm surprised how well this book is selling because I've been head down. I haven't been engaging. I haven't been doing shows like this. I haven't been speaking as much, doing as much TV and press as I had been for the last five years because I was building the agency. VaynerMedia has gone from 20 to 300 people in the last two years. So I'm building a real company. Um, but you can just, you know, it's kind of like riding a bike, right? There's nothing you have to do. You just jump right back into it. And that's the beautiful thing, right? When you left and you took your hiatus, you were obviously, you were Why did you, you take your hiatus? This is a good question. Uh, I left college, came here, focused on starting a career. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, you know, that's the best part. It's a very human thing. And the fact that what you were putting out then can be just resumed is something that's refreshing. I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, oh my God, catastrophic error, mistake. Not true. You can just start over. And contextually, yeah. you're a different guy now. You have yeah. different experiences, you're out of school, you're going to be talking about different things. Look, I literally pivoted from wine guy to business guy. That was a hard pivot, right? I had to start over. A lot of people question, I was at the height of the wine world when I kind of made that segue in some ways. And a lot of people around me thought I was lost my mind. The only reason they didn't say it out loud is they thought I lost my mind when I launched a website in 96. They thought I lost my mind when I started the wine show on YouTube and started spending all my time on Twitter. So they were a little more quiet when I made that shift because they've seen me execute in the past, but I know they thought it. Well said. We got another question. We have one in the front row. Please tell us who you are yeah, and hi. what's your question. I'm Lisa and Gary, it's great to see you. I'm, I want to let you know that whenever anyone asks me about social media or why social or whatever, I say, Google Gary Vaynerchuk keynotes. Okay, watch some of those. Call me back. We'll talk. Thank you. Um, so, uh, two questions quick. One is, I want to hear what you think is happening to the middle, and by that I th I'm talking old media. So we, you know, really most of us on board with what you're saying about what's what's really happening and what's important. I just curious what you think about that. And then the second thing, what about people who say in terms of social media that you have to do your own? Like you have to do your own tweets and you talked about it a little bit about yep. getting a marketing person. So yep. how do you bridge that gap? So the first question is, you know, it's just less valuable to be covered by the New York Times than it was 15 years ago. It's just less valuable to be on the Today Show today than it was 15 years ago because there's things like this now. Right. Back to a lot of themes we started the show with which is the supply and demand of information. In a world of 30 channels and 11 big newspapers, any exposure on any of those platforms was extraordinary. I mean, you used to be able to be on the Ed Sullivan Show one time and become an instant, instant celebrity. That doesn't happen anymore. No. That, it's impossible to do one show anywhere. Unless it's any, this show. Unless it's this show. <laughs> but it's impossible. And so what I think is happening to the middle is it's just being you know, muted. It's still very important. I still would love to be on every show, but it's not what it used to be. Thus, things change and it'll continue to dilute in value. 
Um, I believe that if you are building a personal brand, that if it is you, me, Gary, on Facebook and Twitter and these things, that it should be you. If you're building a business where you're the solo entrepreneur and you decide to put the logo and the Twitter handle as Chase Jarvis Live, the show, not Chase Jarvis, then I think you can hire, outsource things of that nature. But if it is you, I'm Jan, you better come I'm correct. Peter. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of celebrities are gonna get exposed and I've heard a lot of rumblings from different people that have stopped following an indie band when they realized it wasn't the indie band, it was the manager. You feel betrayed, you got so excited that Sally or, or X, Y, and Z band replied to you and then, so I think it's very important. I think a lot of Instagram success has come from the fact that a lot of people know it's the celebrity actually taking the photo and so it, it brings you a little closer. So if you're building your personal brand, it better be you from my point of view. All 100,000 plus tweets that I've put out, every single one of them. 100,000. 100,000 plus, I've, every one of them. This finger. Um, I've, I've personally written every reply, and so I think it matters. I do. Question for the internet. Why does Gary, blah, 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 what tools does Gary determine his social media strategy with? That's from at Repeto. I think if it's tools such as like Hootsuite or these kind of things, not the platforms, mm-hmm. I don't use any. I use all native platforms. Um, you know, Facebook gives me enough data on their mm-hmm. analytics, um, so. Not a lot. Not for my personal, for VaynerMedia, our clients, we've got them all. Got it. And the NYP asks, how do you organically grow a Facebook page in the early stages? In this case, it's a non-profit. You know, I think you, know, I think you take your other channels, your email list, your website, your events, you build a small base of 100 to 500 people, Point which of. you should be able to do. Get them on your list, or get them on your <laughs> Facebook page and then you've gotta follow the formula of putting out good content that is shareable. Yep. The reason people struggle is they start with small bases, you know, you get 100 to 500 people, and then they go right into right hooks, which nobody responds to, and then the game's over. Facebook stops showing you their stuff. You come out with jabs, quotes, content, little videos, DJ content that's good out there to curate for other people, all of a sudden they start sharing, more people see it, they join a list, and you, I mean, it's like anything else in life. The way you build is by doing the right things. And that's why I decided to make it the entire subject matter of a book. The right pieces of content for the right platforms. Speaking of the book, buy this thing. How much, 20, 27 bucks, something like that, on Amazon? I think it's uh, 17.99. 17.99, see I just, I threw the I see what you did, I love there. it, I love it. Some business shit right there. Um, <laughs> we're gonna go back, one, we have one more question here. Any suggestions on, this is at, uh oh, you just moved it for me, at so simple. S-Y-M-P-L, which is kind of cute. Any suggestions on how to find somebody to help with the technological side of social? Oh, that, just, a lot of that, just, that just happened for you. Give the Twitter handle. Yes. What is it? At Spell it out. So simple. Spell it At out. S-O-S-Y-M-P-L. So simple, you just got bombarded by nine people that are raising their hands that they can help yep. on Twitter. Engage with them, talk to them, do your due diligence. Just because they raised their hand, they're Doesn't not necessarily they're awesome. <laughs> do your due diligence but inevitably two to three of those nine are good. It just happened. That was it. I guarantee it. You're welcome. Don't even have to look. You're welcome. Um, all right, so there's another question in the back of the room. This is super fun. I like the, the hard-hitting Q&As. Bring it. I'm Mike. Uh, I'm at ClearShot USA. Uh, my question is, so I hear you talking about slow and steady wins the race, but as you're choosing your tra- trajectory, how do you, if you find yourself wavering between like blowhard and boring, or I see that a lot, what is the trajectory? Like, you don't want to talk about your business too much. 
I mean, is there... What's the balance of jazz what is and the right balance? hooks? Yeah. There's three, I, three to every one, apparently. I, wa <laughs> I really wanted to have it be called jab, 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 right hook, but it's such a mouthful. Five's yeah. my lucky number. Um, it's completely predicated on what your right hook is. Meaning, I believe the formula, and I talk about it in the book, the formula of how much jabbing versus right hooking you do is based on how good your product actually is. So Apple, at the height of the iPhone, when it was clearly the by far number one smartphone and nothing was even remotely close, could have easily been in the right hook, right hook, right hook, right hook business. BP, when they spilled a shitload of oil into the Gulf of Mexico, needed to be in the heavy jab business, right? <laughs> so somewhere in between those two things lies your business, right? And so depending on how good it is, I believe that really dictates the formula of jabbing and right hooks. What do you think about, that's a great question by the way. Thanks, what do you brother. think about um, the opportunity to, I, I've been personally sort of accused of this. Of, I try and give, that's the reason that this whole thing yep. actually exists. Um, yeah, this is one big jab. Yeah, no, this is one big, actually this is, yeah. One this big is one jab. big jab. Yeah, that's right. Um, but so there's a portion of the people that pay attention to what I do, and I'm sure this is true for in large parts for other folks, but that want to be able to participate, and I have had, uh, I have struggled to give them an opportunity to participate. Meaning, other than, um, you have to define to, to, to buy a piece of the thing that I'm selling, because normally my relationships are with big brands, and I'm creating advertising campaigns, or oh. expensive art shows, and there's, I, I have an, op it's rough for me to give somebody the opportunity to participate unless they are, uh, Paying yeah, big, big, yeah, yeah, and, and that's a, it's you know, a real think, challenge for me. Yeah, I, I hate that too, but the truth is that's why I try to put out as much inexpensive content as yeah. possible. Well, that's, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing all I, I think, can. I then. think, you think you can, listen, you, there's only so much you can do. I, right. I, I was in the discount wine business. Wine Library's prices, go now to winelibrary.com. Wine Library's prices, <laughs> are the best, we're a premium discounter. I promised myself when I started VaynerMedia that I wanted to be high end, yeah. that I only wanted to work with Fortune 500s. There's not a lot of entrepreneurs that could pay $80,000 a month for social media strategy and content. And I get 1,000 emails you know, a week of people asking for VaynerMedia or me, or hey, can I buy you lunch or dinner? Yeah. You're like, <laughs> you know, like that move Sorry is that doesn't scale very you know? well. And listen, I get it, yeah. and I, I love the hustle. Yeah. I appreciate it, and once at a blue moon, I even do it. Yeah. Um, Whenever but that's just, that's just part of the reality of it, right? Like, the more success you get, people are gonna grab at opportunity. I try to give as much as I can. I feel very good that I over-index the baseline of what's being given. Yeah. And you just do the best you can. All right, so it's working then. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, back out to the live in-studio audience. We got a microphone back there. Put that mic up. Tell us who you are. Hi, my name's Paula, and I'm a food photographer. Um, in terms of personal bandwidth, what's the best thing to do? Do a number of different platforms, but imperfectly, or really focus yeah, on a great question. two or three? Ooh, Thanks for asking. That, that that's is, the question, That in my is opinion. a very smart question. I think the first thing you need to do is look at yourself in the mirror and figure out who you are. Self-awareness, and not everybody has it. Trust me, I have a lot of friends that don't have it. Um, is very important. You need to think about how you best communicate. So, is it written word? Is it audio? Is it video? Right? Clearly it's pictures, because that's what you've decided to do with your, your life, right? But within the confine, and so immediately Instagram is very important to you, right? You should naturally be good at it. 
then you start breaking, like for me, it was video. I never knew before I started Wine Library TV, but that camera with that red button on it, yeah. that's my life. I love these things. <laughs> right? I'm gonna kiss these cameras. You know, that was good for me. Twitter was good for me because I'm very ADD, quick, quotable. So that was good for me. So I think first you try them all. Literally all those little logos there, you try all of them for a month. See what comes native to you. See what kind of communities form up for you. Get involved in the communities. Heart other people's photos. Get involved. Um, and then kind of audit yourself after six to 12 weeks and say, okay, I'm gonna really focus on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook, right? Because as an individual, you're not gonna be able to produce everywhere. I try, but I don't. Um, And so you've gotta pick the ones that, there's no right answer. It is completely reverse engineering the DNA of the way that you singularly best communicate to the world. Like that if you're great if you're great at audio, SoundCloud's an incredible place to play. Yeah. So Brilliant. you think more about what you can do rather than the audience which is out there. Because the audience is at scale on all these platforms. All yeah. of them have huge enough audiences to massively change your life. So go to the thing that you're good at. It's sort of like understanding what you give a shit bet on, about. Bet yeah. on your strengths. Bet on your strengths. Don't I think try America, and improve your weaknesses. America's very interesting to me on this. This one thing. America has a really interesting industry of selling us in ways to fix ourselves, right? From Absolutely. dieting to education to, it's all about selling you to fix things that you're bad at. I completely believe in the athlete. Look who we, look who we actually care about in society. It's the people that bet all in on their natural God-given ability. Yeah. For, I mean, do you think LeBron James gave a fuck about science in fourth grade? <laughs> <laughs> right? And so, it's, it's the kids that you know, would go to you know, singing camp instead of, like, or leave school early to go to a recital. Like, it's going all in, and athletes that all failed their classes, but you know, it's going all in on your strengths, and so that would be my overall arching answer. Brilliant answer. Homie Fro knows photo. Oh, he's the man. Have yeah, you seen his precast? He's awesome. Oh yeah, he's awesome, great guy. We've had him on Creative Live. Uh, Jared asks, when you finally do get traction, do you ever get to turn off? Sure when your appetite gets fulfilled. Are you always on and are you always I'm working? I'm only interested in the climb. Yeah. I have no interest in the riches that come along. I mean, look at me. I don't have why, I don't buy, I, I could give a shit about the riches that come along with the success that I'm having. Aside from the I, Jets. Yes, I do want to buy the New York Jets, but really in some <laughs> weird way, in some weird way, I know that I'm tricking myself to allow yeah. me to continue to always climb because it's a $2 billion play. Yeah. And I picked an NFL team which you need the liquid for, so it's not like yeah, buying yeah, a basketball yeah, yeah. team or something else. <laughs> you have to actually have 50% of the liquid. Yeah. So, you know, to me, I'm so obsessed with the climb, I don't want to rest, but there's plenty of my friends who build something, get some level of success, sell it off, get their nut, and spend half the year in Costa Rica because that's what makes them happy. Right. And that's awesome. I'm like, guessing you know? that Fro feels like he is now beholden to his audience. And I will just let you know, brother, that I feel like if the, your, your audience is actually gonna respect, if you're communicating with him like, I am fucking tired, I need a week, I'm not gonna be on, I'll be on next Tuesday, they're gonna love you for that. So for sure. give them, like that's what they want. They want a piece of you. They don't want a machine that is pumping out content like a machine. You do, that's absolutely reliability, consistency, it's important. But being human beats all that shit. I agree. Spoken. Back to the in-studio audience, right here we got a question and you are in front. And you I am in front. I'm Tracy. Tracy has a microphone. And I run a social media marketing company for creatives. Cool. Small, little bitty, itty bitty business. Is this your chance to plug it? Yeah, um, do it. It was. I couldn't find so simple, but anyway, that's a whole other <laughs> thing. Um, my question is about 
ROI, and if I could never freaking answer the question about ROI again. But Mashable yesterday posted an article about how only 1%. 1%. So, and I Answer think, it real quick. 1% of all sales on Black Friday or Cyber Monday are attributed to social media. So how do you, re I mean, so then when I talk to prospects, they say, well, it's only 1%. And I think that's crap. I would love to know what you think. For mm. me, for me, it makes me so happy that that report comes out because it slows the process of people going all in, which is only better for me. I can tell you 40% of my book sales have come from social media. Why? I mean, I think, you know, I can tell you that if you read the profile on me and my agency in the New York Times three weeks ago. Which was a good one, by the way. You. Nice move. Thanks, brother. brother. That, luckily for me, Mondelez was willing to disclose that Nilla, the wafer crackers that we work on business, is up 9% in sales after being flat for 10 years, only based on our Facebook and Pinterest work. It was the only money the brand spent. A global hundred millions of dollars brand is up 9%. The only money they spent was on, on what I write about in this book. So that's ROI. You know, here's the bottom line. IBM's study of this 1%, right, <laughs> is last attribution to the websites that they were able to actually track. In a world, because I wrote it, that 98% of businesses right now on social media are in the right hook, right hook, right hook, right hook business, it's of course makes a lot of sense to me that the conversion is, here's what's going on. What is the ROI of a piano to you? Very low. Zero. Yes, hovering for me. somewhere around. But for zero. Elton John, the ROI of a piano has been a lot. What's the ROI of a camera for me? How about for this guy? Got it? So, <laughs> so. What's happening right now is I do not believe that the tool is broken. I believe that the mechanics are broken. It's why I'm spending a lot of time trying to educate the mechanics yep. how to use the tool. And the research is broken too, the fact that they are really yeah, struggling I mean, if to they, they, I mean, I'd love to see how many e-commerce sites they, they took the work from. Right. 11, 17, I mean, these studies are ludicrous. Look, yeah, look at this, the source I mean, of the study too, right? Who, you know, do they have a chance to win? All the polling thing? out of the Obama-McCain election said it was gonna be a dead heat, it was over before 9 p.m., right? So like, you know, you could, get, you could make any report do anything you want. And so, and on the flip side, I'm not in the business, by the way, I, I really want this to be known, I have no interest in convincing people that social media is important. I have zero, double zero, yeah. Robert Parrish. Double fucking zero interest <laughs> in convincing anybody, in convincing anybody that this is important. I'm just gonna talk about it because I just wanna see everybody on the flip side, right? Because if I was a little older, I would have been doing the same thing for e-commerce in 94 and five where everybody thought it was stupid, right? And so search had the same problem. Everybody, nobody wanted to pour money into search. I mean, it's the same old game. History repeats itself over and over. This happens to be the thing of the moment. Next will be glass or wearable technology or wearable advertising or whatever it will be and everybody who's got vested interest in money not going away from their thing is gonna say it's shit and that's great for me because that gives me a half decade to a decade to do it and win. Yes, well said, well said. Where's that microphone? So when, uh, somewhere back there, who's got the microphone? I know there was a couple other questions. Is that not true? No? All right, great. We're going back to the in-studio, or back to the internets. And if you're just joining me on that little camera right up in there, I'm with Gary V. We're on Chase Jarvis Live. Welcome. We'll take your questions at hashtag CJLive, which I'm going to do right now from at Kara Jacinta, K-A-R-A-J-A-C-I-N-T-A. Gary, how to keep your productivity so damn high? You know, for me, there's only one real answer. It's not a very scalable answer to everybody else. 
The truth is my productivity is very high because of gratitude. I'm so outrageously grateful for the fact that I was born in Belarus, which is the last dictatorship in Europe. I was born in the Soviet Union, in communism, as a pure 100% capitalist and was born in a time when the Soviet Union was struggling and they traded people leaving the Soviet Union because nobody could leave the country. I was able to leave the country because Israel and the United States made a pact to get Jews out of Russia by trading wheat. I was traded for wheat, right? So I was born luckily at a moment where in a communist regime where I was able to get out of there. I was able to come to the greatest capitalistic country in the world. I was born to two incredibly amazing parents for different reasons. My mom building my self-esteem to a point where I think I can do anything. My dad teaching me that which saved my ass because boy am I a bullshitter at heart, right? (laughs) And so, I, you know, unfortunately I lost three of my grandparents before I was four, so I've, I've basically never known a lot of death in my family. I've been given the one talent that really, I think, over-indexes for success, which is salesmanship and business skills. And so my productivity, very honestly, is completely predicated on the gratitude of the things that I've been gifted, and I just can't let all that good stuff down. I, I, I feel like I'm, I can't let it down. I mean, I was so lucky. It, it, it's up to me to, to do the right thing with it. And so gratitude is how I... It's the best answer for that question I've ever heard. Thanks, man. Straight up. You have a mic in your hand and I'm gonna, this is a second question from you. I normally don't do this. This is a big deal here. I'm Sean. I didn't introduce myself earlier with Island Life. My question is with all the different social outlets we have, does it lessen the value of blogging and um, there's multiple areas that blogging is important, definitely for like wedding photographers, people that are doing a lot of search. But in, in the vast majority of trying to just sell, and especially B2B, um, how important is blogging nowadays? I believe in blogging tremendously, but in 2004, blogging was more valuable because there wasn't all these social networks. There wasn't, play- Pinterest now for wedding industry people is driving more business results than any other platform. So, you know, I, I, believe, I believe in long form content. I mean, I'll tell you this, my single favorite platform right now in the world is medium.com which is a short form, two to three, four minute blogging platform, right? I'm obsessed with it. If you don't know it, you should definitely check it out. It's incredible. You'll love it. It's, uh, remember how I said earlier to Bucks that I don't actually consume? It's, it's actually one of the few places where I actually read articles that have nothing to do with anything because I know that it's only two minutes. There's something about the promise of the short form content. Um, so I believe in blogging tremendously. As a matter of fact, I think the really great formula is to write long form content, blogs, which is funny that that's long form now, not books. Yeah, Long form content, and then DJ and make pieces of content that work on social networks to bring awareness to that longer form content. So it's kind of like this tactical thing. I I believe in content of any kind. I believe in seven hour movies. If a movie's good enough to keep your attention for seven hours and let you sit through it, and you enjoyed it, and you consumed it, it's perfect. Just like a 30 second commercial could suck if it's not good enough for 30 seconds. It's not about the time. It's about the value proposition for the time that you're allocating for it. And it's easy to add real value in something that's a little bit long form and has a lot of flexibility like a blogging platform. Let me give you a good example of something that I don't think I've articulated as well as I just did, so I want to repeat it so I keep doing it. It's not about time, it's about the time that you allocate in the value exchange, right? On the way here, after I landed, I had about 13 minutes and I tweeted out to my audience, tweet me your phone number and I'll call you. (laughs) And so a bunch of people did not worrying about privacy, right? 
because putting out their number. And I called 11 people by the time I got to Chase for breakfast. And then I was, you know, when I got here, as I was getting ready for a shower, because I needed the shower, I just quickly checked all my tweets and one guy said, some guy tweeted and said, you know, it didn't take Gary Vee a lot of time, but now I'm an advocate for the rest of my life. And I, that phone call cost me, I don't know, 39 seconds? Right, so you can make a lot of impact with a short period of time. You can do nothing for a, with a long period of time. There's people that live their whole lives without making any impact, right? Let me, let me also call something out though, is when was the last time you saw a tweet about someone that you followed being willing to phone you? Okay, that's zigging when everyone else is zagging, and that's, right? And I do that because I know that, Jesus Christ, if Mohammed Wilkerson, number 96 on the Jets, if he tweeted that out and called me, I'd shit my pants. <laughs> I'd be so pumped. Mr. Wilkinson, do not call Gary. <laughs> There's proximity. At least not right now, There's right? proximity here. <laughs> and so I can't believe, back to gratitude. Yes. And humility and all the attractive things that I would never think I have based on the bravado that I put out in the marketplace. I knew that that would mean something. And I knew that the allocation of time was very little in return. And so... Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Joseph Padirnos says, how do you separate personal content from brand content? As in me, the brand, and me, the person on these platforms? Yeah, he, he's, only, think, got, he's right? only got a short amount of right. characters. I, so think, said, I yeah. think that's what he means. I'm, I'm guessing too, and I'm thinking, let's just make some more assumptions about him, that he's a solopreneur, and he doesn't know when is like when is it work and when am I like texting with my buddies about drinking beer. Uh, there's, only one, there's only one platform where I do my personal stuff, personal, personal. It's called Path. I'm an investor. I should disclose that. It's a 150-person social network. I have my 150 closest people to me on it, and that's the Gary, only place my. We're actually not. Well, so we need to fix that. Okay, we'll fix that. Um, so that's the only place my wife lets me put pictures of my kids on, things of that nature. Everywhere else, I'm on. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it depends on the person. Facebook's great because you can have a fan page and you can have a personal but, page. Yeah, but isn't it, to me, this is the, this is, there's a crux here, which is if you can make it so I that. I don't want to force people into extrovert world if they're an introvert, if they care about privacy. Well I, think, I think that it's important for people like ourselves to actually show how the tool can be used, not to make them use the tool the way we do. Well done, spoken. All right, we're gonna way back in the, oh, hey, how are you? Nice to see you in the audience, my good friend. Hello. Um, my name is Michael, Michael, and I. Amazing design shop here in Seattle. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Um, nice to meet you, man. Nice to Sharp meet you. Sharp dresser, too. Yes, look at that. Thank you. Um, it's multi-layered, that's brilliant. My question, because of a lot of our clients do this, is crowdfunding. Okay. And your, just your ideas, thoughts on that. And uh, another thing that the middle is getting crushed, right? The thought that now we can let the masses fund us to produce something yeah. instead of going to the gatekeepers, the rich institutions and individuals, just speaks to the democracy that the internet is creating. Amazing. I think it's great. But you want to know more than that. Yeah, you want to know more He knows it's great. Accounts can you do in a year? Or I'm sorry? I have so many clients that want to do a Kickstarter like every couple months, like every quarter, and I just think that that's a really bad idea. What are I think it's a bad idea if job, you don't have... Trade hooking, right? Well, right. I think it's a bad idea if you don't have talent or if your talent isn't extreme. Like, listen, if you're talented enough, I think of, um, so I love hip hop, right? I think of rappers that are good enough to jump on people's albums over and over and release two albums a year because they just have that much content, right? So if there's three, if you can put out three great Kickstarters, well then great. What, I mean, one Kickstarter is too much if your product's shit. 
Yeah. Right? So I think, I, I think, again, and I think if you're paying attention very carefully to this interview, I keep harping on value. There is no formula. The formula is how much value can you provide. If you can provide unlimited value, you can do it forever. You can do 12 Kickstarters. The problem is most people can't, right? Yeah. Super good question, Michael. Love to see that. And we're over here to the other side with the mic stand up. Tell us who you are. Welcome. He, another snappy dresser. Really sharp looking. Damn, cool. it is. Hey, Gary. Uh, Evan Jacobs. Um, my question is, uh, you talked about uh, when you're setting up for this book, you you spend a lot of time helping people, helping people along the way, especially over the last year. Yes. So that this book was your right hook. Um, from a different perspective, you could see this book as a jab to some uh, a bigger right hook. So like, say, book, 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 New York Jets, right? So my, you're one thousand percent correct. So, uh, <laughs> no, but you are because, like, even within it, right? Like, I'm tr like, it's a me. You've got it. I'll let you. Ask well, that, that was that was gonna be my question: is yeah. how 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 to make a right hook a seem like a jab for something bigger? Yes. That's listen. I think the notion of writing books is actually stupid. I actually think it's not a great business model. I can make a lot. I can do a. Uh, I've been thinking about like these retreat consulting sessions, not a master class, but some version of it, a little bit better than the bottom feeding that I think is going on in the mass market, where I can make more money uh, in a three-day trip to Turks and Caicos with clients than I can through all this process. But, I, you know, it's ironic. I do think of these as jabs. It's yeah. actually the answer to Chase's question earlier. There's a lot of people I can't consult, you know, because I charge $80,000 a month. But this really is through and through the truth and the secret. And the reason I released it now and didn't two years ago is because I knew I had something. The reason I'm releasing it now is I've trained enough people that it's gonna get out there anyway, so I might as well put it out and own it. I think this is the best $30 investment that anybody can make, I'm very proud of that. And you're absolutely right. I do think of this as a jab even though it is my right hook. And listen, jabbing and right hook is very complicated. I didn't try to sell anything for 19 months on social networks. My first post in August, Hey, my new book's coming. Can you buy five copies if I brought you any value? By the third post in August, right? People were like, oh, you're, you're, you're fucking selling too much, Gary. I'm like, motherfucker, I haven't sold anything in two years, right? <laughs> so everybody has their, you know, some people don't want to be sold to ever. And that's great, and I respect that. So jabs and right hooks, are, there isn't a perfect formula, back to the question earlier, but I think you've got me pegged. I will throw right hooks that feel as jabby as possible because I have this obnoxious North Star goal professionally. I think you throw your ultimate all-in pure right hook when you're finished. If I decide at 62 that I don't want to fight for it anymore, that, that I don't want to miss more time with my family or whatever my psyche is at that moment, you will see my final right hook and it will be cashing in a shitload of chips and it's going to be very profitable. You know, um, but for now, I'm not in that place. Yes. It's a very, very, very good observation. Fantastic. We have time for one more question. I got to wrap. That was a 90-minute show that went past super fast. Wow. So you who are yet to ask the last question, are you going to be very lucky? Although, if there's none in here, I'm going to the internet because you guys get to talk to Gary. Kenny, you got one more? All right. I very rarely go back. Two people. Two questions. Double this deuce. Is, yeah, this is a double deuce. All right, once Bring again. Bring it. Bring the heat. Once again, I'm uh, Kenna from Creative Live, and my question is, a lot of people say that your biggest strength is also your biggest weakness, or vice versa. Your biggest weakness is your biggest strength. What is yours? Um, the fact that I'm, trying to to, um, that I'm trying to scale the unscalable. Very. 100%. 
the reason people care about me so much is because I'm doing things that everybody deems is not scalable so they don't do it. On the flip side, calling people for those 12 minutes didn't allow me, I mean there's like, there's like a scope that I need to approve for a client that's gonna make us millions of dollars in 2014 that you know, I've, I've made this mistake before where I've done the unscalable thing and let the big thing pass and so that is, that was the easiest question for me to answer today is the fact that I'm trying to scale the unscalable. But you know what, I, I feel like I've spent most of my career trying to do that and those things, ironically, the things that, that turn into yeah. the most beautiful the most beautiful experience. It's a balance, it's a seesaw, it's a, it's a constant game. Wow, well before we give this guy a round of applause, I'm gonna wrap up and we have to give some prizes away to the folks that have been tweeting their asses off and it. pimping the show. Um, at my ignition, at underscore Katie underscore Costello and at Shutter Shelley, all get to have a $100 gift certificate from Borrow Lenses who, again, big shout out to those guys. Thank you for providing great value. You get that $100 gift certificate and you get a, a signed copy of this book. This actual book will be going to one of you three people. There's two other copies right there. Gary's gonna sign this, we're gonna put it in the mail. Hit us with an email at production at chasejarvis.com so we know how to get a hold of you. Huge thanks to HP for helping me make the world a more creative place. Borrow Lenses, uh, Creative Live. Without all of y'all, this couldn't be possible. Where, where, where can we send it? You're at Gary. V-E-E -E on the Twitter. By the way, one of the shittiest branding moves of all time. Yes. I have two silent vowels in my Twitter handle, right? So, you know, I'm far from perfect. How about the dude Gary, just the V? He's slaying it right now. Yeah, right? no, I know, but I'm just so into that. <laughs> the story of the Gary V-E-E -E is too good. Yeah, yeah. Facebook.com slash Gary, that I love to brag about. Uh -huh. um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'd love to engage in things of that nature. And buy the sucker. Yes. Support this man and his cause to change the world and please join I fully me. expect everybody who watched this 90 minute episode to buy Do it. three, no, seven copies. Seven, seven copies. copies. It is a great gift, right? As we enter the holiday, the holiday season time. here. Stock please y'all join me in a huge round of applause. Thank you very much. And we're out of here. All right. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the audio experience. It would mean the world, and I mean the world. If you could go and leave a rating on iTunes, your word of mouth is my oxygen.